If you can grab your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. And we'll get into our message right now. 1 Corinthians 13. We return today once again to our New Year series for 2024. And it, it's, it, it's all on love. I've titled our series, The Love That Touches Others. And we've been studying through 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, it, it's been a wonderful time for me, but I'm sure, sorry you guys, but it's been challenging because we've been uh, coming face to face with ourselves, our lack, our weaknesses. But you know what? In that, we grow. And I hope that through these messages, you've been seeing yourself change. You've been seeing yourself apply these principles, these things that we've been learning to grow. And so once again, we come here today uh, to our series, The Love That Touches Others. As you know, I've really felt from the Lord to, to not just teach one message on December 31st, but to spend the whole month, the beginning of the year, and focusing on this. We're going to be getting into a, a study of another book of the Bible after this. But for now, I believe Jesus is calling us to be different this year, to love differently, to love more, to grow in our, our love, our understanding, and our application of what agape love really is. And so that's why we're here in 1 Corinthians 13. I believe Jesus is calling us to love more for 2024. So put that into your head, into your mind, and may you carry that with you throughout this whole year. Well, what we've been seeing in this chapter and what we're, we're going to see, this is our outline. Number one we, is what is love. Number two, what is not love. Number three is what is love devoted to. And number four is what is love's lifespan. So in these five weeks that we're in this chapter, that's what we're looking at. If you remember, we started out with what is love, and we went over that love is agape, right? The Greek word, unconditional love. It's a selfless love, a sacrificial love. It's a love that gives even if, if the other person doesn't deserve it. So it just gives. It's this giving kind of love. It's really what God has given to us, and it's his love for us. And in the New Testament, almost all the time, all that you see the word love in New Testament, it's that word, agape. And when it speaks of God, think about that. It's God's unconditional love toward us. And then we saw number two, what is not love. And we covered uh, the second part of verse four into the beginning of verse six. And we broke that up into two weeks. There's eight things that we saw. We saw that love is not envious. It's not jealous, right? It's not boastful. It's not arrogant or proud. We saw that love is not rude. And that, that really continues to work on me, you know, in all this time too. We picked it up another four last week. We saw that love doesn't demand what it wants. It's not demanding, right? Love is not irritable. It's not resentful. And then we ended with the last thing that love is not into doing wrong. You know, it's not in, into the, the wrong things. And we're going to continue the, the next part of that uh, verse really coming into number three, which is today. What is love devoted to? What is love devoted to? And so we come this morning to part four now of, of our study, our series here, of the love that touches others. And number three in our outline is what is love devoted to? 
And we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 13, the second part of verse 6, and all of verse 7 this morning. But let's pray one more time for God to bless our study. Lord, thank you. As we come before you, we, we do bow before you. As we sing, how great is our God. Lord, you are the Lord God of the universe. You're, the, you're our creator. You're all-powerful, all-knowing. You're holy and righteous. God, what else can we do but to bow down before you because you're worthy of our worship and praise. And so, Lord, I, I ask, Lord, as we come before you, that, that you, would, you would restore in us, God, that honor, Lord, the honor of you, your honor, that we would honor you today as we study your word. That you would, you would renew in us, God, our vision of your glory, God. So show us, open our eyes to your glory as we talk about love. About All of this really speaks of you and how you want us to love like you do. So bless your word. Anoint it right now, God, with your Holy Spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's this really old story now before email, before text messaging. And it's about this uh, young man who was determined to win the affection of a young woman. But she refused to really even talk to him. Well, he knew the only way to her heart was through the mail then. So he began to write uh, love letters to prove his devotion to her. At first, he wrote a love letter every day, uh, sent it every day. So in, in one week, seven letters came to her. But even with that, she didn't respond. So then he thought, well, he's going to increase his output. He devoted his time to write three love notes every day and then sent, send that out. All in all, The young man wrote more than 700 letters to the young woman. I was trying to calculate. Oh, that's that's probably over 200 plus days, 230 plus days. That's a lot of letters, right? Well, did all this love and devotion make a difference? The answer is yes, it sure did. She ended up marrying the postman. I guess you can say that that kind of devotion does make a difference, yeah, uh, whether it's not the way you want it or not. You know what? It, I was thinking about him in my mind about how we are all devoted to certain things, aren't we? I mean, we have our hobbies. Maybe you fish or dive or I like to surf. I have, I'm devoted to that. I'm getting in the water, you know. Maybe we have our devotion to our family, spending time with them, or, or loving our spouse, right? And we're devoted to many different things. Some of you are devoted to your careers, your job, trying to, you know, rise up in a company and, and make a career of something. But, but there's one thing that I think we may forget about, and that's our devotion and our love. The love that we're supposed to show one another. And that's why I titled this section, What is Love Devoted To? I think we, we need to think about how we're devoting ourselves to loving one another. What does it look like? I mean, Paul's been painting a picture for us here in 1 Corinthians 13 of what really love is, what its characters, what its actions are, what, what it looks like in our lives. And so with this, 
uh, God is speaking us, reminding us. And today, the question, number three in our outline, is what is love devoted to? What does that look like? How are we to love with and be devoted in this way? Well, let's look at verse 6. And the second part of verse 6 is where we start this morning. It says, but rejoices with the truth. And so number one, we're going to be seeing five things this morning. Number one is love is devoted to what is true and right. Love is devoted to what is true and right. Now, when we begin here in the middle of verse six, it's actually uh, half of what Paul has started to say and what we saw last week. We saw the beginning in the first part of verse 6. When we come to the word that but rejoices, it's in contrast to what he first said in verse 6. And you remember the first part, it says that it or love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Remember, we learned that love is not into doing wrong things, into wrongdoing. It doesn't take satisfaction in sin. It doesn't justify doing wrong or doing wrong to any other persons. And remember, we realize that part of this, we have to understand that love, agape love, God's love, the kind of love we're to love with, it, I remember I mentioned it's pure, it's holy. Yeah, it comes from God, so there cannot be any wrongdoing in, in it at all. So in contrast now, love, it, it, does, uh, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Well, in contrast, you know what? It rejoices with the truth. And that's where Paul is getting to. Uh, if you remember rejoices, we defined it in original language as delight. It delights in the truth. Well, what is the truth? Well, what we're talking about here is the truth. We're talking about the truth of God. We're talking about what we find here in our Bibles, in the Word of God, that truth. So love is, is not into doing wrong because love is devoted to uphold the Word of God, the truths that are in here. Now, to me, this is interesting in verse 6 how Paul phrases this. Like, for example, um, uh, Paul did not say in verse 6, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, which we read here in the ESV. And then he doesn't write, but rejoices with doing right. I mean, in my mind, it's like, well, first you say, you know, it doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. Well, but it does rejoice in doing the right things. But Paul doesn't write that. And why is that? Well, I believe it's because doing right comes from where? The Bible, in obedience to what the Bible tells us to do. It's here in this book that we find what is right, what is wrong. We find the definitions of those things in the Word of God. And this is the truth that Paul is talking about. So Paul contrasts it in this way because the source, what what we really uphold, is what's in the Word of God. Of God. So love is devoted to what is true and right, which is defined right here. Right here, the truth. That's what love is about. In 2 John, verse 6, there's only one chapter there, but the first part in verse 6, it says, And this is love that we walk according to his commandments. That's love. And I, I think that. Put these two together, it says it all, that we are to walk, to obey, to live these things out. We don't just come to church, 
you know, hear some fancy sermon and, and hear the definitions and, oh, this is what love is. Like, oh, good, yeah, now I know. No, we want to take what we know, apply it to our lives and live it out. We want to turn it into action. And, and we want to take the truth of what we know and we want to live that out. Love is devoted to what is true and right. And that's what's found in the Word of God. And we want to live that out. We understand, as I mentioned, agape, love, is holy and pure. It flows from God. Well, then agape is going to uphold the truths that are in here, right? And as we live this life out, we're going to live out the truth that we have in here. And if we talk about morality, we're going to live that out here. But we know we want to live out Jesus in our life. And so all of this is speaking of this, that we rejoice, we take delight with the truth. That's what love is about. You know, right now there's a strong movement. I don't know if you, you, you see it or you read in the, in the news these days. As we're heading into the end times, and I believe it's setting up for the tribulation time, when the Antichrist will unite all the world religions into one. We studied that in the book of Revelation when we were going through that. There's this ec- ecumenical movement going on right now where people want to bring all the religions into into one place right and and bring them together because we're all one right and we we can all worship god in our own way have you ever seen that um bumper sticker coexist right isn't that crazy if you if you see the one with the symbols you know you have the uh, the sea is made out of a crescent moon of, of Islam. You see the star of David in there. You see the Wiccan symbol or the yin and yang symbol thing. You know, the T is actually the, a cross. It's a cross of Christ. And so here, here's this idea. They're promoting, oh, we can all coexist, all these religions of the world together. Oh, you know, it's, it's saying, well, we got to just love one another. If we just accept and love one another, it'll be okay. It's that love that will bind us together. But what we read in here, love does not love at the expense of truth. No, that's not what true love, agape, really is. Love is devoted to what is true and right. So we as believers... We're going to love everybody. We're going to love the lost. But we do draw a line, right, in supporting things that go against the truth of the Word of God. We just can't. And, and as, as our world, our society just turns more and more away from what the principles what, what, of the Word of God, of who God is, it's getting harder, you know, for us. And we're challenged in this area. We're challenged with the world saying, no, we just got to love and accept one another and tolerate one another. It's funny, there's that word tolerance, but they don't tolerate our beliefs, right? <laughs> kind of crazy. But, but that's how the enemy works. That's how this world is spinning, and that's how we're going to... It's all set up, really, for the tribulation years. Now, with that, though, we understand, okay, love is not going to compromise in that way. But let me put this out. Love, it, what we're reading here, it also does not mean that we have an excuse to be mean. 
You understand what I'm saying? We can draw the line. We can hold our ground. But you know what? We still, where it says in verse 4, we still got to be love is patient and kind. Love is not rude, right? It, we, we still need to be a light and witness of God's love toward us. So really, if you think about it, it's an, all how we deliver things, yeah? It's our approach of things. It's how, and we'll get into this a little more in our passage today, is how we view this person. Or, yeah, you know, what, we cannot bring, become like the world and bring in this rudeness, hostility, even a hatred. We're still going to love. No, this is what we believe, you know, and that's what I hold to. But, hey, I still care for you, you know. I, I, I still would want you to know this truth, too. It's not like, well, forget you then, right? You know, I, uh, someone said, love may not make the world go around, but it sure makes the journey worthwhile. And I bring that up because perhaps we're, God is using us to bring someone on a journey to discover the truth. So how are we going to approach that? They may not believe what's in here. They may be even hostile to that. But I don't want to be hostile back. I still want to be patient, kind, not rude. I'm going to hold to this truth and rejoice in, in the truth. But love still has to be there. I mean, how many people have come to the Lord not because they're beaten into submission by the Bible, right? No, but many have come to Jesus because of someone's love toward them even when they don't line up to what they believe in. And that's what God is calling us to. So what is love? Love is devoted. What is love devoted to? Love is devoted to what is true and right. And you still agape those who don't maybe line up with you. Well, let's go to number two now. Love is devoted to covering the shame. Love is devoted to covering the shame. We cross over now to verse 7, and it says here, Love bears all things. Now, the word bear here, it's the Greek word stego, and it means to cover with silence. It speaks of like enduring quietly, to take it, to put up with it, that kind of idea, bearing in that sense. Uh, but there's even more to that, and this is what I want to get into. Littering, literally in the Greek, it is to roof over, in the sense of covering, protection, preserving in that way. And, and so it keeps silent. Love keeps silent, uh, covers for reason to cover, you know what, the shame. And that's really the idea, that you're bearing it up, that you're keeping silent, but really because you're covering what's going on, the shame that is happening. See, when it comes to love, the wrongs and faults of others are not used to shame them, to put them down. They're not used to, to uh, uh, you don't use their wrongs as a weapon to take revenge. That's what, it means that love bears all things. All things, it, that means you don't turn a blind eye to the wrong or sin. 
But you're not going to pick and choose, you know, like, well, I'm, I'm, I don't like this, so I'm going to turn that back on them. No, you try and cover whatever that is, the sin, and not try to expose it. I like the idea that we are to uh, love bears, B-E-A-R-E-S, not bears, B-A-R-E-S. That's the idea. Love bears all things. Love does not broadcast failures or wrongs. Love covers the shame and really tries to preserve the heart. That For me, I'm thinking, wow, I was studying this thinking, yeah, so there might be chance for them to turn to the Lord. You know, I, I think about, do you remember in Genesis 9 when Ham uh, found his father Noah passed out naked in his tent after getting drunk. What did Ham do? Oh, he saw it all, turned around, told his brothers, and seemingly in the passage, he mocked his dad. But what did Shem and Japheth do? The other brothers, they walked in backwards, didn't they? And, and not to see a shame, and with a blanket behind them, covered their father so not to join in disgracing him. Even if that hurt them, They did not want to do that to their father. So we see that this is compassion, right? These brothers had compassion on the sinful father. This is agape, you guys. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 4, 8, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sin. I mean, I quoted the, the, what, Peter's, uh, quoting in the verse in Proverbs, but, but he puts it all together. Keep loving one another. Keep showing that love earnestly, though King James, like fervently, and because love covers a multitude of sins. That, that's it, you guys. So the second thing is love is devoted to covering the shame, even if their ugliness hurts you, you guys. Our natural reaction, right, is, is to get back at them. To, to grab people, to, to tell them so they get on our side. That's what we tell people. So they validate how we feel. But I was thinking, isn't that the way the world works? And the world loves that kind of stuff, right? Uh, the, the way the world runs, it, it loves to expose, right? I mean, just... Uh, uh, just the other, uh, yesterday we were in Fulan and, and, you know, at the checkout stand is the tabloids, right? You know, the tabloid newspapers there and they shout out you with headlines, you know, true confessions, right? Secrets of so-and-so, shocking lie revealed. You know, it, it, it's tantalizing. It's, it's like, oh, yeah. Well, why? Why does that sell? I mean, I always think, why people buy that kind of stuff anyway? It's sick to me. But the fallen nature loves finding skeletons in the closet. Why? You know what? It makes us feel righteous. It makes us feel like, oh, we're better than the other person. And that's what it does. It's a, it's a fleshly, sinful nature kind of thing. Human depravity in us causes us to take pleasure in the depravity of others. And sadly, people, that's their thing. They get, quote-unquote, high on that. But that's not love. Love devotes itself to cover the shame. You know, in contrast, what love does, it, it grieves 
over the, the fallen. It hurts with them. It hurts over what they did. It feels the pain of wrong choices. And you know what? That's God's heart, isn't it? That's God's heart toward the people of this world. God loves the world. God desires that all would be saved. It's grieved. Uh, he grieves over, right? His heart, it, it grieves over us even who fall in sin before him. In contrast, God gives us what? Grace and mercy. And, and with this love, when it's devoted to covering the shame, that's mercy. That's grace. And that's how we need to be. I was thinking about this. Think of it this way. You know the mercy seat? You know what that is? That's the lid on the Ark of the Covenant. It's called the mercy seat. Because a priest would come in once a year, once a year on the Day of Atonement and sprinkle a, the blood of atonement on that mercy seat so that, what, the people's sins would be covered by the blood. That's what God does to us. We need to be in the same way. What is love devoted to? Well, it's devoted to covering the shame. Let's go to number three now. Love is devoted to believing the best. Believing the best. goes on here in verse 7. Love bears all things, and it says, believes all things. Love believes all things. What's that talking about? Well, we know. It's having faith, right? It's having faith, and it's more believing in this person. In other words, um, like the NLT says, it never loses faith. Love believes the best of someone, not the worst. That's the idea here. All things mean in, in every way, in all situations. When, think about it this way. When love covers wrong, it believes the best outcome that's going to come of it. Love is not by default suspicious and critical. How's that one? Yeah. Sometimes we, that's what we default to. Oh, yeah, I knew it, right? Yeah. Oh, I can guess what's going on. But love by default, is not suspicious or critical. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. I mean, in our criminal court system, there's the model, right? It says that innocent till proven what? Guilty, yeah? Right? So uh, why can't we do that also with love? We do the opposite, though, don't we? One little thing happens and guilty. Yeah. But, you know, this is what was, sorry, but this is what was really, ha guilty. You don't let them explain. You don't try and understand what's behind maybe an action or an act. And right away we're like, no, guilty. No, don't tell me. You're guilty. You know, we just do the opposite. We're quick to condemn and, and we're quick to think the worst, the bad. We're quick to blame the other person. When maybe it was a misunderstanding. Maybe it could have been that. So love is devoted to believing the best. I, I think this goes along with God too, if you think about it. I mean, with God, every person has potential, don't they? I mean, we believe that. I mean, I received that from the Lord. God, thank you that you see the potential in me. That even with my faults and weaknesses, you know what? 
you're still there. You're still rooting for me. You're still uh, trying to help me every day. I mean, that's God. Shouldn't we, in the same manner, know that God's trying to work here. God's trying to work, you know, do, do a work here. Teach a lesson. Grow someone. Shouldn't we believe the best in that person too? Root for them. Yeah, I know this happened, but hey, you know, but I know we, we can work this out. I know that God can help us here. In that manner. I think every one of us has to remember that none of us is perfect, but we're all a work in progress, right? So we're going to believe the best. I mean, doesn't it help when, when someone believes the best in you? I mean, but if someone's critical, always suspicious, you, you, I know for me, my insecurities come out, and I, I'm like, well, I close up. I don't want to be around that person. But if a person's always like, oh, yeah, you know, all for you, believing the best, oh, that opens up the heart. If, if you want people to share with you, then talk in that manner, not always being critical, not always being suspicious, because that shuts the door. But I'll tell you what, when, when, when you're believing the best and your conversation, those kinds of words come out, people are more free to share and be open and honest, even with their faults. I read this uh, yes, well, yesterday or day before, but one commentator said, you, you make a harbor of trust. I thought, oh, what a, what a great way to put that. A safe harbor of trust that someone can go to you. And perhaps God can use you to minister to. So love is devoted to believing the best. To assuming the best. How about that word? Let's use that word. We assume the best. Sometimes we assume the worst, don't we? we we're assuming. We put together things from the past and we assume the worst. But we want to assume the best. We want to be there for, for them. And I'll tell you, to always be suspicious and critical you know what? That's bondage. It really is. That's not how God wants us to be. It's not the way the Lord's moving us in, into. Charles Spurgeon said, It would be better to be deceived a hundred times than to live a life of suspicion. He's talking about the bondage, but God wants to free us from that bondage of always being critical, all the suspiciousness. Of that, Well, I'm just suspicious by nature. Well, okay, I mean, I understand be careful and concerned. But you know what? Not to the point where you're always down on people, always negative, pushing people away. You know what? That's not love. What is love devoted to? Number one, what is true and right. Number two, being supportive. Uh, love is devoted to believing the best. And now number four, number four here, love is devoted to looking forward in hope. And all of this really flows together. It goes on here in verse 7. Hopes all things. This is talking about this confident, confident expectation for the future. That's love. That's love. It, it, it goes with hoping for the best. It's, it goes with uh, uh, devo being devoted to what's true and right. See, love looks forward, not backwards, to all the situations it's in. Love is always hopeful. Love, love, for love knows, and we know this, don't we? As long as God is in the mix, yeah? 
Grace is in the mix. Grace is at work. Mercy is there. As long as God is there. I mean, so love hopes in all things. In this person, in this relationship, they are hoping for the best. Failure in our, our, our lives, in our fallenness, is never an end, you guys. Not with God. Like, think about it this way. Did God, you know, we read in the Old Testament, did God take Israel's failures in, in the wilderness as the final end? Did he say, forget it, you guys? No. No. They made it to the promised land, didn't they? Yeah? That's the Lord. That's God. That's the hope we have. How about, did Jesus take Peter's three denials and say, you know what, Peter, that's it. I'm done with you. I'm never going to use you. Yeah? No. Who is the first person after Pentecost to stand up and preach the first sermon and where thousands came to the Lord? It was Peter. See, that's God. And so we can find hope. We can look forward in hope that God is still working. God is moving. So love is devoted to looking forward in hope because we know the grace of God. And we know that in every person, God is trying to do that work in every situation and even me. <laughs> That's what I feel. I feel, oh, Lord, you're, thank you for your grace every day. Thank you. I don't deserve it, Lord. I, I bow my head before you and and, and Lord, I, I need you. I know so does this person. And why do I come in such a condemning way? Thinking, that's it. Forget it. No. I need to look forward and hope and love with that hope. God is really the, the type of person being who hopes in us too because he's doing that work inside of us. Maybe you feel that, well, you did the right thing, you held on to the word, yet still the other person said and did hurtful things against you. But we still hold to the hope that in this all, as you have stuck to the truth, and maybe they got upset at that, that God's going to work through that. That's how we look at it. I believe there's potential in all of us. Andrew, Alexander McLaren of uh, said, Christianity knows nothing of hopeless cases. It professes its ability to take the most crooked stock and bring it straight, to flash a new power into the blackest carbon, which will turn it into a diamond. I love that thought. You guys, we're all diamonds in the rough, every one of us. And so we hope, love, Hopes. So what is love devoted to? Number one, it's devoted to what is true and right. Number two, it's devoted to covering the shame. Number three, love is devoted to believing the best. Number four, love is devoted to looking forward in hope 
And number five, our last thing here today, love is devoted to enduring whatever comes. Enduring whatever comes. So we come to the last part of verse 7. It says, endures all things. Love endures all things. The word endure here is the Greek word hupomeno. And it's really a military term. It, it speaks of uh, soldiers using a sense of soldiers holding their positions no matter what. Enduring. Standing their ground no matter the attacks. No matter how hard it gets. No matter the, I would say, the pain, the suffering that goes on. No matter how, how heated the battle is. In all things, whatever comes its way, love endures. That's the idea here. Love holds on. Love holds out. Love hangs in there. You know that other saying, right? When the tough gets going, or, or no, when the going gets tough, and they're backwards. When the going gets tough, the tough get going, right? Well, so it is with agape, you guys. When the going gets tough, then that's when love really gets going. When we endure and it keeps going. So love is devoted to enduring whatever comes. This love perseveres. And you know what I love about this? Nothing can stop this love, right? If, if, if you love like this, you're going to endure everything. Nothing's stopping that love. John Phillips, uh, commentator, said this, Love remains under the load no matter how long it takes and no matter what else, and I like this, is piled on top. Sometimes there's a lot of stuff piled on top of us. Sometimes the burdens and the hurts and the pains and the suffering. But this love will strive to keep on, keep going. It will strive to, to, to keep and stay in your struggling marriage. You know, a lot of times we tell, Chris and I, when we're counseling couples that are struggling, we say, you know, we're going to sit down and talk about uh, how to communicate. Because we're going to hurt each other. We're going to say things that, that maybe we don't mean, misunderstandings, or we get anger, emotions. But we want to help you to communicate and to understand at the end of the day, no matter what's happened, we're still committed to one another in love. That that's what love is in our marriage. And so that's the idea. We endure whatever it is. We work through problems. We endure trying to do our best and hoping and believing and, and, and sticking to what's true and right. But we're still there enduring loving, giving that enduring love. Maybe it, you guys are at where maybe there's a wayward child or a relative that you care deeply about. They're not with the Lord right now. What do you do? Give up? What do you do? Say, forget it. You get angry at the choices they make. You know, sometimes that can eat at you. But love endures. It's devoted to continue to love and reach out to them. You see how all of this rolls together? I think it's amazing how it comes all together. 
Uh, listen to, uh, I'm not going to put this on the screen, but it's a little bit long, but this is something that really was, was hitting my heart, something John MacArthur wrote in his commentary. He wrote, Love bears what otherwise is unbearable. It believes what otherwise is unbelievable. It hopes in what otherwise is hopeless, and it endures when anything less than love would give up. After love bears, it believes. After it believes, it hopes. After it hopes, it endures. Then he wrote, there is no after for the endurance, for endurance is the unending climax of love. I think that's beautiful. That stirs my heart up. I see it all connect together in one chain now. All of what we read today at, from the end of verse 6 to verse, all of verse 7. Guys, God is calling us to this. We are to be those soldiers of Christ, right? We're like, yeah, we're soldiers of Christ. But we need to be those soldiers of Christ with love. To hold our positions. To endure the battles. And to come out still standing in love. That's what we need to give. No matter what may come at us, it needs to still be love. Well, we're going to stop here. We're going to finish uh, next week with our, our last uh, in this series. But I want to I um, close up with this story. Um, a couple was married for 15 years, and they're having their more than usual disagreements. But they really wanted to make their marriage work. So they both agreed on this idea. It was a different idea. But for one month, they would drop a slip of paper into their own, what they called, fault box. Fault box. The boxes would provide a place to let the other know about daily irritations, things that uh, hurt them, got at them. And so the wife was diligent, writing things like, leaving wet towels on the floor. She'd write a note, put that into the fault box. Or writing dirty socks in the middle of the room, not in the hamper. Or not putting the top on the jelly jar, and so on and so forth. Or you, you said this harsh word. Or on and on it went for a month. They would drop it into this fault box. Well, after dinner, at the end of the month, they exchange boxes. Husband first opened the box and reflected on what he did wrong and asked for forgiveness, and they discussed these things. Then it was the wife's turn to open her box from the husband, and she began reading what the husband had put inside. And to her surprise, each note, a whole month full of notes, said the same thing. He had written, I just want to say I love you. That's what it means to endure to hope, to believe, to keep giving that love. And that's the love that will touch others. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, come before you, and God, I ask that you would continue to change our hearts, Lord. God, who are we, Lord, but fallen beings that need a Savior? And once you save us, God, we still need work done, Lord. Thank you that you are doing that work, that you, our God, our, our, our masterful creator, is creating us into your masterpiece, Lord. 
We are your workmanship, God, created in you, Christ Jesus. And so we ask, God, today that you would mold and shape our hearts right now, God. Do what we can't do, Lord. Do what seems so impossible, God. Lord, change us from the inside out, God, that our lives would be filled with your love, that our life would be about loving others and not ourselves, that our life would be about agape and that we could shine your light into the world, that people would know that God loves them because love is flowing out from us. Lord, let your love flow, not what we think, not what we choose, not what we want, Lord, uh, only want, God, but everything, every part of it, the hard parts, the difficult part. God, help us to love the unlovable. Help us, God, to, to love the ugliness, those uh, who exhibit the ugly flesh, Lord. Help us to still love Jesus because you loved us and our ugly sin. God, we stop just for a moment. I pray for those, whatever struggles going on, that they would give them to you right now. Whatever worries and cares in their life, that they would lift up to you. Those things that are hindering them from really moving forward in you. God, forgive. When confess, cleanse, Lord. Forgive and bring us to that connection with you and your Holy Spirit right now. I pray the Spirit over all of us, Lord, that you would fill us, God, with the power to love. That we would dedicate and devote ourselves to you and to love in these, this way that we study, God. In Jesus' name, amen.